Welcome to Don't Trust the Mirror, My Secret Life with an Eating Disorder, with psychoanalyst Maureen Kritzer-Lang, the queen of self-esteem. Maureen shares her personal journey of her struggles with an eating disorder and how that changed her life. Listen as Maureen shares her pain, her stories, and her triumphs. Today, as a psychoanalyst, her mission is to help as many women as possible overcome their challenges. Now, my secret life with an eating disorder. Hi, this is Maureen Kritzer-Lang, the queen of self-esteem. Welcome to my podcast, My Secret Life with an Eating Disorder. I have an extraordinary and special guest today, Mariana Moyer, who's 25 years old, an artist, a dog behavioral technician, and a mental health advocate. She's here to talk about her long battle with bulimia that began when she was a young teenager and her recovery. It's an amazing story of courage and strength and perseverance. She began her journey to recovery um, three years ago and now has never felt better and is determined to turn her pain into something positive and offer hope and help others deal with the same struggles that that she faced as well. So welcome, Mariana. Hey. So, you. so I hope I said your name right. right? Yes. Okay. Yes, Mariana. You do great. <laughs> I am very touched and grateful for you to be here. And you have an amazing, amazing story. And I want the listeners to hear about your story and, and I know it will inspire and, and your courage will inspire them and also give them hope. And it sort of has an interesting start to your story. I first saw you on um, a Facebook group called Pantsuit Nation and I saw your story and then I was like, oh my God, like this is like gone viral. And I was so impressed with what you wrote and um, your your journey of recovery. And so I was wondering if you could tell my listeners a little bit about yourself and how you decided to to post your story on Pantsuit Nation and and you got an overwhelming response. And what was that like? Um, so at the time I was just about coming to the one year anniversary of when I started recovery for my eating disorder or what I refer to as being clean from my eating disorder. Um, I stopped using that term because people refer to that as like addicts and stuff. And I didn't want that associated with me, but I started recovery and at the year anniversary, I decided to just journal about everything that happened. And I decided to post it in Pantsuit Nation, which is a Facebook page because it's a very positive page and most of the people on there are posting about how they're overcoming struggles and all these people are there to support them and just share their stories as well. So I thought I'd do that as well. So I decided to write a very long worded essay (laughs) about everything that happened. And when I posted it, it went into the pending approval of the page and I never heard back anything. So I assumed it was taken down because it was deemed sensitive content or something because it was an eating disorder. And I was like, okay, fair enough. That way 
have been too much information for me to put out there anyway. So maybe it was a good thing that it didn't go through. And then like, did you months, feel like you were kind of scared? Like, oh my gosh, like, what did I do? Like, yeah, I was like, with my story I, and I don't know. If I yeah, I was getting cold feet about it at the time. So I was like kind of happy it wasn't posted. And then several months went by and I completely forgot about it because it never got posted. So I didn't have a second thought about it. It was just going about my life and I started getting flooded with all of these messages on Facebook by people I didn't know. And I was really confused at first. <laughs> I'm sure like, where is this was, coming from? It was just a whole bunch of people telling me that they were proud of me and their their stories and everything. And I, at first, didn't know what they were talking about. So I was like, who are these crazy people mm -hmm, mm -hmm. coming to me and telling me that they're proud of me? And then I figured out that it was from the posts that went viral. And I realized that it was posted. And my heart just kind of sank to my stomach. And I was like, oh, no, this actually posted. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And... By the time I saw it, because I haven't checked Facebook in a few days, by the time I saw it, it was already up there for three or four days. So there was already like 17, 18,000 just wow. likes on Wow. It. So overwhelming, so, I'm sure. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I went viral. <laughs> um, and that has never happened to me before. So I was very, very overwhelmed. Um, not only with going viral, but the fact for the reason I was going viral was my mental health. And I was very scared to look at the comments for a very, very long time. But I will say that I have not seen one negative comment throughout the entire thousands of comments I've got. I have not got one bad message. And it was the best group I could have posted in. Mm -hmm. And although it was very scary to put all that information out there, the amount of people that were coming to me and telling me that they like I helped them see things in a different perspective and like asking me for help, like mothers were coming at asking me for help about like how they should approach their daughters and stuff of that nature. And I decided it was helping too many people to take it down. Yes. Yes. You yeah. really um, did such a service by doing that. And we're so incredibly brave because it, it really, um, I'm sure made you feel quite vulnerable. Yeah, and, for sure. Uh, right. And just wasn't sure what was going to happen. Um, I wanted to, to go back to two things. Um, one is it's interesting that because I wrote a comment on, on your, yes. your, on Pantsuit Nation page. And, um, and then I kind of also like kind of got lost in the yeah. shuffle a bit. Right. Yeah. And then you got back in touch with me. It was I don't know, a number of months later. It was say, almost in a full year later. Oh, was it, it almost came up? It, I think it was almost a full year later, I believe. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So again, like yeah. this passage of time and then you and I connected and I wanted to, to also share your story. And I thank you for that. I've gotten a lot of traction and stuff already, but I want to make my story as public as I can. So hopefully as many people can see it as I want them to, and for them to be able to are struggling, to be able to maybe learn something from it, or maybe just to look 
at things in a different perspective or to help people who have friends or family dealing with it think about it twice before they say things. Absolutely. Well, and as you know, I also struggled with an eating disorder many, many years ago. And, um, and it was very hard for me to find help. And I searched and searched. But the one thing that you also said is you started journaling. And part of my journey is that I started journaling because I didn't have anybody to talk to and I couldn't find help. So I thought that writing could be a way of just expressing myself. And to this day, I still journal and I find it very validating. And also, I think when we journal, we write our truth. Like it's not yeah. censored. It's not filtered. It really truly is, is our truth. Yeah. And it yeah. comes from a place in our heart. Um, can you share a little bit about what journaling has done for you or how you use it? Journaling, I started to do kind of just, my therapist suggested it, but I realized that I was kind of already doing it. When I was, I used to be, or I still am overwhelmed with emotion and I don't know how to express it. And I don't want to talk to someone because I don't want to ramble or make a situation worse. I go into my phone and the notes and I just ramble everything I want to say in there. And it helps me kind of just organize my thoughts and make it easier to read again. So that like to be able to reread it and to understand and kind of frame what I was actually thinking at the time or going through. And I can kind of just look back on it and assess it later. So it helps you organize your thoughts yeah. and process, process your thoughts and your feelings. Yes. Yeah. Well, can you share a little bit uh, with the listeners what contributed to your eating disorder? Because I think that's important uh, for people to know too is, and everybody's journey is different. I, I always say that, but I think sometimes there's some common things that, um, that we all can relate to in terms of what, what's, what starts it and how it develops. So uh, there was a lot of factors that kind of played into the development of my eating disorder. Growing up in general, I was never taught much about nutrition or proper serving sizes or how to have a healthy relationship with your body. It was more along the lines of I didn't realize gyms were places to go to become healthy. I thought they were just places people had to go to lose weight. And that was kind of my outlook on things from a very young age. And I was very skinny from a very young age up until about mid high school. Um, so not knowing much about nutrition and serving sizes didn't really seem to matter to me because it wasn't affecting me. And then I started to hit puberty. And at the same time, I was put on some medicine for my mental health that so was misdiagnosed at the time. But um, so I was put on this medicine that made me gain a lot of weight at a time that my body was changing and also gaining a lot of weight. And I couldn't understand why I was gaining so much weight so quickly. And the people around me were quick to notice as well that I was gaining weight. And they had a lot to say in the factors about it too. A lot of the kids at school, a lot of Surprisingly, adults had a lot to say about it. Yes. A lot of family members had some things to say about it. But over time, the family members understood things more. But 
it was a lot of just judgment from a whole bunch of different aspects that kind of I read way too much into and I took people's opinions way too harshly and I started reflecting it on myself and I started taking out things on myself, which is kind of how the eating disorder developed. Well, I, I think the eating disorder is a way that we learn to cope with feelings and thoughts that we don't know how to deal with. It seems like it, it's hard when we don't have, have other strategies and all those comments, you know, certainly as a teenager and even, even as adults really impact our self-esteem and make us feel so bad about ourselves. And so that is really hard to, uh, hard to overcome. And it sounds like it had such a, such a significant impact on, um, on you and, and your mental health. Yeah. I also know that you, you went to a doctor who told you that you, you weren't at the right weight to have an eating disorder, or um, I don't remember exactly, but he gave you like weight loss. Yes. And so after a few years into my eating disorder and kind of realizing what my eating disorder was and coming to the revelation that I did have one and that I should probably get help with it, I decided to go to a family doctor because I already went to a therapist and they didn't really specialize in eating disorders and know how to help me. So I thought I should go to my family doctor and talk to them to see if they would have any resources. When I went there, I voiced my concerns to her. It was kind of weird because she agreed that she thinks I have an eating disorder, but then also said that I have too high of a body weight for it to be considered um, like at risk for my health. So to be considered a problem and that she believes that it's more of an anxiety problem than it is an eating disorder. And then she suggested that I should go on weight loss medicine so that I can get down to my goal size so that my anxiety about my weight would calm down. She clearly um, did not know anything about eating disorders and did not know uh, the impact of what she was saying um, on you. She clearly did not not understand and, and it turned out to be pretty destructive and caused a lot of health issues for you as well. Um, Yeah, it was just also a little destructive at the time because I was already on anxiety medicine from her and she, in her mind, she acknowledged there there was an anxiety factor, but instead of doing anything with the anxiety medication, she decided to do weight loss medicine instead. And then the anxiety medicine, the weight loss medicine didn't correlate with each other very well. And it ended up with me in urgent care twice in about a month until I figured out it was that and I stopped taking them. Well, that was very smart. And and yeah. also just, again, how you persevere to continue even after that to, to seek help. Yeah. Um, and then you finally found a therapist that it seems like you connected with that was very helpful in your recovery. And also, I know we keep saying an eating disorder, but but I was wondering if you could just mention on just what your eating disorder was, just so people know. My eating disorder, although sometimes it kind of mixed together between anorexia and bulimia and everything, it is primarily a mixture of body dysmorphia, um, binge eating, and bulimia. Mm-hmm. But since then, I've gotten mostly the binge eating bulimia under control. There's still a little bit of body dysmorphia, but I'm kind of aware that that's not going to go away. So yeah. 
Well, and I would imagine under stress and in certain conditions, it can it can feel worse or better. And as you know, my website is Don't Trust the Mirror. And I always try to think about how looking in the mirror gets so can be so dis cause so many distortions for us. And we see so many distortions in the mirror. And it's when our insides match our outsides that that's when we can actually trust the mirror because how we feel about ourselves gets reflected in the mirror. And sometimes it really wrecks havoc with our self-esteem. But I want to just go back to also on a positive note, the the therapy you had, and um, if you could share a bit about how this therapist helped you in your recovery and some of the tools that were helpful for you. Yeah. So I decided to go back into therapy after years of not being in it because I'd have a lot of issues with therapy and doctors in the past, clearly, as I just told you, and there was a little bit of trust issues with it. But after a certain point, I decided to go back into it because I really, really wanted to recover and I knew I needed help to be able to do that. And when I went to this therapist, it was at Denver Affordable Counseling in Colorado. She was very new to the practice and she was honest with me that she's never really, she's not much of an eating disorder specialist, but she's willing to try to learn and figure out how to help me so that she could help other people in the future and stuff too. And she did an amazing job just trying to figure things out with me. It was, it was, she did a very amazing job. We worked together for about a year before I would consider the start of my recovery. Mm -hmm. We worked with each other for about a year and just over time, things progressed and confidence kind of was gained and the practices and stuff that she was using were working and I was finally confident enough to be able to stop. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. I I remember my therapist saying to me that uh, initially it's, and she said this later on, I didn't notice it at the time, but you know, when we first go into therapy, a lot of times it's symptom management, you know, because we're so overcome with all the symptoms that we're experiencing. And, um, and at some point she said to me now that, you know, your symptoms are decreased and, you know, you're not struggling so much to manage that now therapy can start. Yeah. Because it was really then understanding the anxiety and the depression that really caused it to begin with and sort of understanding how to cope with that and I mean, not use the eating disorder to, to deal with it. Yeah. So I, I know you had, um, we had talked about the 20 minute, I, don't know, I won't say rule, but the 20 minute strategy that, yeah. that you use. And I want you to, to share a bit about that, but also I was wondering if you could talk about sometimes 20 minutes is a very, very long time. Sometimes like a minute is like a really long time and how you sort of dealt with that. Could you always wait 20 minutes? That's, that's really hard. So the 20 minute rule was kind of applied to my binge eating episodes and what the 20 minute strategy, I should say, um, was, was like originally derived for people to try to quit smoking and it was the idea the idea that cravings only last for 20 minutes at a time before the body starts to lose interest in what it was craving so 
speak like theoretically speaking if you can make it past the 20 minutes your body will lose interest in what you are craving and you will no longer want what you are craving anymore or the craving won't be as severe so what my therapist taught me to do was that when i was having these cravings to distract myself for 20 minutes at a time and the things that i found most useful to distract myself was to just go for walks and just away from food in general where I couldn't get to it, or we would go on drives, or I would paint or just do anything to try to distract me from that. So just anything that would involve a lot of me thinking. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, those are all wonderful, wonderful strategies. And um, and I talk about a lot of those too. And And the other thing that struck me is how you used to be interested in art and, and I don't know, maybe music, I don't remember, but, um, but it seems, and I know from experience and, and working with patients also that the eating disorder or an eating disorder, however you want to say it, can really take away so much of our creativity by you trying to use that strategy and by talking about your feelings, you were able to reconnect with that more creative part of yourself as well. And you're a photographer also. I, I, yes. I wanted to mention that. So I dabble in a quite a few things. Yeah. Right. So do you feel like it really, you know, as your eating disorder and as you continued in your recovery that you were able to reconnect with, with those creative parts of yourself? Yeah, I decided to focus all of the time that I was using on focusing about how I looked or how I could do something differently um, to lose weight or just instead of just thinking about myself all the time, I started engaging myself in the activities that I like used to like as a kid and used to do and re-fell back in love with them. And it gave me a space to enjoy that and not think about the bulimia and everything else it gave me kind of like a safe space in my mind and as i recovered it only grew stronger i started to do a lot of photography and resin and just a whole bunch of different things i'm in school for graphic design right now the photography really took off when i was recovering though i would give like body body positivity shoots and that's great. Just a whole bunch of photo shoots for my friend, friends as I was doing it. I started to realize by talking to them and taking photos of them and everything that they also had a whole bunch of flaws that they were insecure about and wanted me to like get different angles on and stuff. And it kind of just made me realize that these people who I think are absolutely gorgeous are sitting here telling me that they're insecure about these little things too and it made me realize that kind of like i didn't think they were thinking in reality that they should be upset over this little flaw they had that in reality i shouldn't be upset about these little flaws i had either um and that we all have our own kind of issues with how we look and our body and we just have to move past that because there's nothing else we can do that is a wonderful, wonderful message. And yeah. I'm in awe of just how you've kind of developed these positive ways of, of looking at yourself and looking at, at your own recovery. 
in closing, I was wondering if you could share, I don't know, two or three tips. I know you, you've talked about several things that you might offer the listeners uh, before we end, just something that they can take away to stay positive and so they can continue on and have hope that they can recover also. Some strategies, some tips, some things that were important to you. Uh, a few things that really helped me along with like the 20 minute strategy and stuff was journaling. It can be hard to talk to people without, you know, having some sort of reaction from other people with what you're saying. And when you journal or write poetry or do something, you can let out all of that in negative motion in a safe place. And you don't even have to cap what you write. Correct. You can just write it in a notebook and then crumple up the pages and throw it out or put it in your notes on your phone and then delete it afterwards. It just gives you a space, safe place to say what you feel like you need to say. Another one would be that don't always believe what's on social media. That is a great tip also. In our age and specifically the age I grew up in, it was the start of Facebook and Instagram and everything like that. And so suddenly all of these pictures of gorgeous people and perfect lifestyles and perfect places are thrown in your faces, but it's all just highlights of other people's lives. And there's always editing on celebrities' photos mm -hmm. and not much about what media is, is real. And I need people to realize that and stop comparing yourself to these not real people. Because at the end of the day, they are not who you are seeing on the screen. That is a very, very crucial, crucial message um, to, to give. So I thank you so much for, for talking with me and sharing your story. And, um, and again, I am just inspired by your courage and just how you have really taken such a, a difficult situation for yourself and pushed and, and as I've said, persevered and giving such a positive message out to people. And, and I hope that they can feel the hope and be inspired and also know even with the the pantsuit nation piece of it yeah getting it on and also like us even connecting patience yes. things won't happen overnight and it takes patience and just taking baby steps one one step in one moment at a time thank you for so much for having me on um i just want to say a little shout out to two people who have really helped me in my journey which is uh -huh. My best friend, Carol, and my cousin, Christine, they've really helped me very far along in this journey. And I just wanted to say thank you. I know they'll be listening. So, <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. And thank you for listening to my secret life with an eating disorder. Please share it on whatever social media outlets you have and channels that you have. And I would love to hear your feedback on additional stories you would like to hear, and just anything you have to offer. So thank you. Thank you for listening to Don't Trust the Mirror, My Secret Life with an Eating Disorder with psychoanalyst Maureen Kritzer-Lang, the queen of self-esteem. We hope you enjoyed it. Please visit DontTrustTheMirror.com where you'll find all our social networking links and can post your stories, comments, and questions. Until next time, remember, trust yourself. Don't trust the mirror.